All right, so we have a wonderful speaker tonight. Her name starts with a K, and it's the lovely Karina Lout. Everyone clap for her. <laughs> Do you want it down? All right. Okay. Settled. <sighs> How are you guys doing? Good. So we have Russ and Susan and a team out at the New Living Expo. Raise your hand if you went this weekend so far. Yeah, a few of you went. Welcome back. We look forward to hearing testimonies next week. So if you're new, we do have a team that goes out to the New Age Festival and they have a booth there called Light for Your Journey and lots of really good God encounters happen there. So we look forward to hearing more about that next week. And Brent and Suzanne will be back next week. So those of you that are here, yay, glad you made it. I need to pray. <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus. Actually, I'm going to look up a scripture really quick. Thank you, Father. You are so good. Jesus. You're King of kings and Lord of lords, and you rule and reign, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm going to read Colossians 1. I feel like I need to declare some things. Jesus, you are the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn heir of all creation. For through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth, all that is seen in all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority, it was all created through him and for his purpose. Yes, Jesus. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in his resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. Thank you, Jesus. We tell you right now, you hold first place in our lives. You hold first place in blazing fire in this room, Jesus. You hold first place in the world, God. Anything that is trying to exalt itself above you, Jesus, we say will bow to your name. Thank you, Father. You have first place. Jesus, your name is above every other name. Your name is above cancer. Your name is above depression. Your name is above sickness. We exalt your name, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You are so good. Thank you, Father. Yes, Jesus. Ah. <sighs> Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Marilyn, for what you shared earlier. That was so good. And I admit, I kind of came in here and there was just lots of things going on. So um, if I was not pleasant when I first walked in, I just have to apologize right now for, <laughs> I'll be humble enough to say that, um, yeah, I kind of just had some things going on. So 
Anyway, I love you guys, and I'm glad to be here. So during worship, um, God just really brought me back to a memory that was really interesting. I was, uh, he brought me back to a time when I was a teenager, and I was crying on my pillow, and I spent a lot of nights, um, I think I want to come down here. I spent a lot of nights as a teenager kind of just soaking my pillow with tears because I was so depressed and so hurting and in so much pain uh, quite often. And so I'm like, God, why are you bringing that back? And I, I saw Jesus go to that, that teenage girl, that younger me, and wrap his arms around her. And he just said, you know, it's, he was saying, if only you could see yourself where you're at now. And... Uh, I, I do feel so honored that I get to tell so many young people you're going to be okay because I remember feeling like I wanted to die so often. And, you know, a lot of times when, when people want to kill themselves, it's not that they actually want to die. They just want the pain to stop. And I remember just feeling like, I just want this pain to end. And I don't really see a way out of it. So I, I just saw Jesus having so much compassion for the younger me and... I don't really know why I'm sharing that, but just to say that um, he's so with you. And, and just be open to, to him coming back to the younger parts of yourself and loving on you when you really needed it. And he's, he's so good. And yeah, I think I was just looking for someone to say, you're going to be okay. You're going to make it through, you know? And um, so I... I, I just want to tell you that whatever your biggest challenge has been, I, I say this all the time, but it's really your area of greatest victory. So whatever that thing is you're facing, you have authority over that. And now I get to tell young people all the time, you're going you're gonna to come through this. You're going to make it through. You're going to be okay. And it's such an honor and such a privilege. So I want to encourage you guys that... Whatever you're facing, you are going to make it through. You're going to be okay. Jesus is going to be so with you in it. And it's probably going to be your, your greatest weapon. And every time I get to go to a high school and, and go speak to young people, I feel like I'm just giving the enemy another bruising because I was so broken and so hurting. So you guys keep going. Keep going. So I'm going to share a few different things. And uh all I know to do right now is share what's going on in my life and be honest with you and where I'm at and kind of walk you through some things that, or talk through some things that God's been talking to me about. And it might be a little bit like, uh, I don't know, might feel like a few bunny trails, but I, I just want to share from my heart tonight. So, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. So, God's really been showing me that... Um, as a church, we're kind of in this development stage. I kind of call it like um, things are forming and kind of like being pregnant. You know, we're, we're in that the process right now. And a lot of the time, we only have a grid for the starting point and the ending point. And we, we could see the beginning. We could see where we're at right now. And we can maybe even see into the future, and God gives us glimpses of a vision for where he, he's going to take us and dreams in our lives. And, you know, we, we get this grand picture, but so much of the time it's hard for us to stand in the middle and to stand in the waiting and in the process. Am I the only one? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
I know. Amen. Wave some hankies. Okay, good. Oh, I'm not alone. Okay, good. Yeah, in the middle. Um, and someone was saying the other day that process feels like a bad word, but, you know, it doesn't have to be. Uh, but the middle is really where the meat is at. The middle is the most important part, almost if not more than the beginning and the end. So I just, God's really talking to me about learning to embrace the middle, the story of our lives and how it unfolds and what he wants to show us all in that. So I want you guys to, to think about what Jesus is developing in you. What is he forming in you? Maybe, you know, you're not pregos. Uh, but you're, you're pregnant in the spirit with something, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman. We all, you know, God is always developing, forming something in our hearts and in our spirit. And Paul told the Galatians that he felt labor pains until he would see Christ fully formed in their lives, that they would receive all he paid for them. He felt that. And I like Romans 8.28 in the message. So um, in the message, it says, He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. And isn't it reassuring to know that he knows, that he is with us, that he knows our con the condition of our hearts. He knows you know, we're in that stage where things are forming and developing in us. And he's saying, I, I see the end, honey. I see the end, darling. Like, you're going to get through this. Yeah. I see your pregnant condition. And um, so I, I want you guys to, to know that he's so with you in it, that we're not doing this by ourselves. And most of the time, I think a lot of our problems are solved. The challenges we face are solved by just knowing that he sees and he knows and that people around us are with us. That, to me, when I know someone is with me, when I know, you know, my husband or my family, that they're with me, that Jesus is with me and he acknowledges and sees, it's like, okay, that's all I need. I'll, you know, I just give the rest to you, Jesus. I'm not alone. So he knows your pregnant condition. He knows where you're at. So whatever it is that you guys are facing right now, um, whether it's a promise from God, a prophetic word, a dream that you're pursuing, it is terrifying. For me, it, it can feel terrifying. It can feel uncomfortable. Things are not fully shaped and developed yet. And God is so gracious. He's so good. So it's, it's all right. It's okay. He's with you. And I, I want to encourage you guys to embrace the discomfort. Uh, as terrible as that sounds, embrace it. Because there's something in it that you're going to get that God can only give to you right now as you're in this time. And embrace the process. It's going to be so worth it. I know, I feel like I say this a lot whenever I get up here, but uh, like I've said before, I, when I was younger, I kind of wanted someone to always tell me, you know, I, it's not going to, life isn't going to be easy, but you're going to make it through. You're going to be okay. And so that's always my life message with 
young people or whoever I'm talking to, young or old, that it's going to be worth it. Hang in there. Keep your feet on the ground. Keep looking at him. Uh, it's not going to be easy. I wish I could say everything is easy, but it's really not. And I've said this before that, uh, you know, I would have loved to be a little more prepared when I had my kids for someone to say, it's going to suck. It's going to be hard. You know, you're not going to, I didn't get an epidural. You're going to have big babies and it's going to be hard. It's going to be worth it. Keep, keep uh, the vision in mind. Vision, who's that? Chris Valentin says, vision gives pain a purpose. Uh, yeah. So have, have his face in mind. But, but yeah, it was rough. And, but God was good. And he's so faithful. And I wouldn't change the process for anything. I, this sounds really strange, but actually I'm kind of glad I didn't get any pain medication. Because there's, I don't know why. But anyway. It, it made it all so worth it. My kiddos, super women. I don't know about that. <laughs> Thanks, Diane. All right, so I want to read John 6. And this is where I might bunny trail a little bit. But God's been highlighting this to me, um, where Jesus fed the multitudes. And I, I was reading this the other day, and he started talking to me about uh, some things that he's put in, taught in, in our hearts and um, where my perception has been. So John 6, I'll read it to you. If you don't have your Bible, let's see. Okay. So after this, Jesus went to the other side of the Lake of Tiberias, which is also known as Lake Galilee. And a massive crowd of people followed him everywhere. They were attracted by his miracles and the healings they watched him perform. Jesus went up the slope of a hill and sat down with his disciples. Now it was approaching the time of the Jewish celebration of Passover, and there were many pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem in the crowd. As Jesus sat down, he looked out and saw the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill, for they wanted to be near him. So he turned to Philip and said, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Jesus already knew what he was about to do, but he said this to stretch Philip's faith. Philip answered, well, I suppose if we were to give everyone only a snack, it would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. Oh, Philip, he tried. But just then, Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up and said, look, here's a young person with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far would that go with this huge crowd? Have everyone sit down, Jesus said to his disciples. So on the vast grassy slope, more than 5,000 hungry people sat down. Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and gave thanks to God. He then gave it to the disciples and distributed it to the people. Miraculously, the food multiplied with everyone eating as much as they wanted. And... I love that story. I know that story, but God has been highlighting this portion to me in the story where he talks to Philip and he asks him, how are we going to feed these people? And, you know, I'm sure afterwards Philip thought, darn, got the wrong answer. You tricked me. I didn't know this was a test. Um, that, that would have been me. God, Jesus had the answer, but he likes to invite us into relationship and he likes to stretch our faith and say, how do you see this? I, he knows he, what he's going to do, but, but what do you see, Philip? 
So he was continually asking the disciples these questions to expand their faith. And he never shamed them when they got the wrong answers. He used these moments to teach them and to, um, to challenge them. So I've been reading this a lot um, because some things Todd and I are, are pursuing, I found myself really anxious, to be honest. I, I, I've never had anxiety attack, and I thought maybe I had, but then I've heard other people describe what a panic attack looks like. And I thought, oh, okay, this is what that is. And so I recently um, had a, a panic attack, and it was even like before I was awake, it was like the early morning, you know, when when you're still kind of, waking up and I, I really, yeah, it was really bad. Um, and it was really concerning the future. And so I know the enemy was kind of just saying some things to me about, you know, fear and I, but a lot of it too was God just showing me what's in my heart and, and do I really trust him? So I love this story and God has really just been showing me like to, to look at things from his perspective in areas in my life that I haven't really, you know, I, I'm not seeing things clearly. And he's not shaming me. He's saying, hey, come up here, daughter. Come see how I see things. Let me show you how I'm going to do it. Let me show you how I'm going to feed the thousands. You know, it's not how you think. And in our minds, we try to work things out and we think, oh, okay, if we do this and that and we strive to to figure things out, and God's kingdom is so different. You know, he, he does things so differently. One plus two doesn't equal three. You know, he knows how to multiply everything you have. He's that good. He takes our little something, which a lot of times, I, you know, I'm giving him something. It feels so, so small, and he takes that little offering, and he does so much with it, and he's so good like that. He's so good, and... I want to encourage you guys, whatever your little something is, he's going to take it and he's going to turn it into something so beautiful. And it's really just about posturing your heart. Once we, we look at him and he, he looks, he sees, he sees the posture of our heart. He sees our heart's intention. And all of you have really good um, intentions. I know that. And you all are looking towards him and he's going to take that little something and he's going to make it into something so beautiful. So much more than you could have even imagined. So what, what I had been doing is um, I was lo I logically trying to figure out how everything's going to come together in my, in my mind, you know, and how everything's going to come to pass and the promises he's given me, the promises he's given you guys, the words he's given you. How, God, how is this going to happen, you know? And he's saying... Look, Philip, <laughs> I I'm gonna multiply. I'm gonna do so much. I'm gonna work miracles in your life. So a lot of times we let fear and lack take the driver's seat. I have. I'm gonna be humble and say that. Yeah, sometimes um, I will let those things take the driver's seat, and then the car is just going off the cliff before you know it. Um, but he's asking us to put on new lenses, to just begin to see things from his perspective. So he, he sees things so differently. You know when it, uh, the scripture that says, set your mind 
on things above. That, that word, that little word, I love doing word studies, but that word set means to make an ongoing decision every day. So it's, it's not a one-time thing. It's like every day we have to completely set our minds on things above, on him, to make an ongoing decision that he's going to take the driver's seat, that faith is going to take the driver's seat, that we're not going to allow fear and lack to, to drive us anymore. Um, a few nights ago, I uh, let me drink some water. Do you guys have flying dreams where you're flying? I, I, I get those. Yeah, they're the best. So um, I love to fly. Um, side note. I, that used to be my occupation, actually, was I would, fl yeah, flying. Um, when Todd and I lived in uh, Missouri, and I know, that sounds very strange, but uh, we performed in these shows, and so my job was literally flying over the audience twice a day, and I was an angel, and oh, to like, had a huge halo, fun funny-looking costume, and so I'd climb up this catwalk, and fly over the audience and be very angel-like, angelic. <laughs> it was fun. Yes, so, I'll, okay, I'm gonna tell a little bunny trail story, okay. So, um, this is such a, a bunny trail, but one time, so I'd go up to the catwalk, I'd go up there a few times during the show, and I could kind of see down on the stage what was happening, and um, can I tell the bunny story about your falling? <laughs> Okay. Okay. His laugh says yes. So I'm up there putting my harness on, putting my costume on, and I hear this really loud thump. And so I look down, and I guess they accidentally, the guys, the stagehands, kind of moved things in a strange way. And I look down, and Todd's legs were up in the air, and like he, he was like facing the audience, kind of just like sprawled out. But and a few others too. Wearing, yeah, because he was a centurion, so he had a skirt on. But anyway, oh, poor Todd. He's told this story, so I thought it would be okay. It was pretty funny. But yeah, we had lots of funny things happen in that show. Um, if you've ever been to Branson, Branson is a, it's Branson, it is a, family style Las Vegas where Las Vegas and Nashville Las, had a baby. Yes. Todd says Las Vegas and Nashville had a baby. And yeah, I don't know about that. But we get tour buses, so this theater was probably sat like over three thousand people. We get we do these show it was a show about the life of Jesus and it was great. So now I don't remember Oh, I was talking about flying flying. So, oh gosh, I really took a big bunny trail. Okay, so so I have this dream that I'm flying and uh, the enemy is like, there are people, but you know, I really, I know that the enemy is not people, but in the dream there was people coming after me and funky stuff and I know that I can fly, so I just simply get up and fly and so they can't get me and I'm flying and soaring, and Jesus is with me, and then uh, it's like I'm, I'm, there's trees, and I love trees, so I'm flying through the, you know, trees, not hitting them, but flying around them, <laughs> and um, I start, my mind starts uh, kind of take spiraling a little bit, like, oh no, starts worrying, like, what if, 
you know, you, you're really not supposed to be flying and all these thoughts start coming and then the next thing I know I'm not outside anymore and I'm flying in an enclosed room and so uh, these people that were after me are able to actually get me. And so it, it really spoke to me about, um, you know, just how our mindset and where, where we set our attention and when we trust God and trust that he is going to be there for us, how, um, how we can really take off and how when we start thinking too much and how we, when worry starts to settle in, it's when, you know, it's almost like, okay, going to go kaput there. But so anyway, the dream really did speak to me. And um, God's been talking about relying, not relying on my own strength, so um, in my own abilities. So as as these things that God's put in our heart, and we're we're going after them, um, it's like I need to continually remember that uh, I'm not doing this on my own. And we get so accustomed to having to figure things out. I don't know if any of you, I kind of grew up where like I needed to take care of me. And so I become really self-reliant, and I need to kind of make sure that I'm going to be taken care of. So um, when we get so accustomed to doing that, um, leaning and surrendering, we have to continually remind ourselves that, that we need to lean into him, that we can't do anything in our own strength, anything of our, in, our, in and of ourselves at all. So really, you know, and sometimes we will say, Jesus we invite you into this dream, which is all good and all, but he's been talking to me about, you know, he's inviting me into his. It's not about saying, Jesus, you know, come bless this dream, come bless this thing that I want to see happen in the earth. He's saying, no, I'm inviting you to to come into mine. And of course, he gives us choice and he loves us to explore and to adventure and to discover things on our own. But we need to continually remember that, that he has sent out the invitation. We, um, we invite, of course, he doesn't, um, he doesn't cross our boundaries and he's given us free will. But um, whatever that promise, that thing is that you are, God has put in front of you, I want to encourage you guys to... Um, to let him, to, to just remember that he invited you in in the first place, that it was all birthed in his heart. So, yeah, okay. And even, um, you know, so I guess I'll kind of share, we share, we've shared a little bit before, but so Todd and I, um, we have a youth and young adult group that we love, and so we are looking to have a, open a place for them, a more permanent place in the Tri-Valley for them to come after school and to do homework, to get inner healing, and it's something that that God birthed in our hearts. Um, and so we are going after that, and it does feel scary. But I've also found that when I let wor- worry and things settle in, that I've almost kind of made this thing an idol. And he, I've really been just bringing that before the Lord and how... Um, when I do things in my own strength and I stop looking at him, that, that the actual thing that he's given you or promised you can really become bigger than him. And so it's so important that we continually just keep looking at him, resting in him, and, of course, start taking action steps. But um, when we keep, keep our focus on that thing without him in it, it can really it can become an idol. 
And I know that sounds a little, might sound a little harsh, but whether it's, you know, a promise like, you know, you're going to have this family or you're going to, you know, do great things, you're going to go to this nation, whatever it is, we got to continually keep looking at him and continually um, resting in him and saying, Jesus, this is yours in the first place. This isn't, you know, something that I've mustered up here. It's yours, Jesus, and I give it to you. Okay, here's another bunny trail, as I am uh, told you at the start. Um, another thing that he's been talking to me about is uh, he's saying, I want to give you permission to fail, and I want to give you permission to make mistakes as you guys are going after some things. That is not talked about enough. It's so important that we know that we have permission to do that and that you don't have to do everything perfectly. I don't know, you know, we get this message probably from the time we're really young that, you know, we can't color outside the lines, that everything, you have to just kind of cross all your T's, dot all your I's, or else something's going to happen that you can't make a mistake. But, you know, I, right now, I just want to tell you, you have permission to make mistakes. You have permission to not do everything perfectly. You're going to mess up. You, you are. Um, it's just going to happen. And it's okay. It's more than okay. So I want to read this quote I read, and I, I can't remember where I read it, so I apologize, but it was really good. Um, and it says, it's hard to bounce back from setbacks when you see every obstacle as the end of the world. Research shows that optimists live as much as nine years longer than pessimists. So seeing the bright side is good for your health and longevity. Okay, so if you're seeing things positively, you're seeing things from his perspective, you're going to live longer. That's a plus. Um, it isn't about simplistic positive thinking, though, only. Resilient people see risks and take precautions to prevent problems. But when faced with a challenge, they're more likely to say, I can get through this. Resilience is not a synonym of toughness, so it's not trying to you know, muster up enough enough strength on your own to, to be resilient. It's a response of hope. Resilience is a response of hope. But if you kill hope, resilience dies with it. And I, I absolutely love this so much because I, um, I'm always drawn to people that are resilient, not that they are doing things in their own strength, but they've overcome a lot. And I'm always drawn to those people and I want to hear their story and say, hi, how did you get through this? And it's always about leaning on Jesus and filling up your heart with hope. So when we start defining ourselves by our mistakes, that's when we kind of lose the ability to get back up again. So we have to remember, yes, make mistakes, but let's be super um, aware that we're not defining ourselves by those things. And we tell the young people that all the time because, you know, they're gonna, they make mistakes, they're, we're not going to necessarily address their behavior because they may come to us and say, hey, I'm doing this thing or I'm struggling with this or that. And ultimately we say, okay, well, let's put that on the shelf for a little bit. Let's find out what's going on underneath. Let's find out what's going on in your heart. And they're always shocked by that. You're not going to punish me. You know, you're not going to, I'm not in trouble for this. And you're, we're like, no, um, let's, let's, there are some costs. There's some things you might have to clean up a mess, but let's find out what's really going on. So 
um, as, you, as you make mistakes, as you fall down, um, really ask Jesus, am I defining myself by these things? Am I um, punishing myself? Have I put myself on a timeout because I feel like I've messed up way too many times? Um, you know, but a lot of times the risk, when we do take some risks, it feels like it's going to cost too much. And I'll be honest, sometimes I think, okay, this is rough, and I, I'm not willing to pay the cost. And Jesus did pay the cost for us. Um, there are times in our lives that there are going to be some things that, that are going to cost us something. You know, it's not, not everything is just handed over freely. So those are some decisions that um, I've just been looking at and I'm talking to Jesus about and I'm getting the courage to make with him. So falling down is inevitable. We're going to fall down. Um, whether you go and give someone a word out at Hacienda, I remember we used to do that quite often and I always love hearing the stories about all the, the healings and how people got touched, but I actually really like when people say, hey, you know, I gave a word to someone and they laughed at me or they turned me down, but I did it again anyway. And to me, that's, those are the stories I love. I love hearing stories of courage because I can't tell you how many times we went out there and someone gave us a funny look or they were just didn't really want to hear what we had to say, but then there was one who, you know, God really touched them and, you know, we were able to pour out compassion and love and see life changed. So it's so worth it. It's, it's okay. As you guys are going after some things, fall down, scrape your knee, let Jesus heal you and, and then get back up. Um, oh, I'll go back to the promise. I have a fun story about that because I have a little time. So the show, one of the shows, we're, we're also in the Andy Williams show, but most people don't know who Andy Williams is. Um, Moon, River. Moon River? Okay. He's saying Moon River. Um, he's with Jesus now. But uh, So we were in that show, and then this other show, The Promise. So I remember I played a few different other roles besides the flying over the audience, and one of my scenes, I was uh, Mary. So I, uh, Martha, Mary, I was... Lazarus' sister, Mary, and so I was supposed to come out on stage and come run to Jesus and say, if only you had been there, Lord, and I cry in his arms, and Lazarus comes out, and I faint on the ground and hit the stage really hard and very dramatic and all of that. Well, um, as time goes on, it kind of, you, being in a show kind of just becomes routine because you're doing it all the time. You're doing it six days a week, twice a day, and to be honest, it's like you're kind of going through, or I kind of would just go through the motion, so when my scene, I wasn't always super aware of when I was supposed to go out on stage. I mean, I, I felt like, okay, whatever, I'll remember. So one time I was talking, and I totally missed my scene, and, you know, there's 3,000 people in the audience, and I ruined the scene. I felt like I did, and the guy, the actor that plays Jesus comes down to my dressing room and knocks on my door and says, Karina, if only you had been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, touche. So, it was funny, but to be honest, I felt so bad. And I was really hard on myself. I felt like, oh my gosh, you ruined that whole scene. And um, 
I felt like I'm not getting back out on that stage again. And there was other times because, I mean, I grew up a little bit more. I, my teenage years kind of caused me to kind of become real, real withdrawn. And so acting and being in a show was pretty huge for me to put myself out there. So it was already hard. So when I messed up, I was like, I failed. I am not going back out there. But I did. And, um, you know, I'm sure it, you guys have times in your life where you just really want to quit. And things you just want to throw in the towel, especially when you make a flub. But God's continually saying, come on, honey, it's okay. It's okay. Let's, let's get, get back up and get in the game. You're going to be all right. I would say that I probably learned the most about resilience and about hope from the... I, I help at a safe house, so I spend time with survivors of trafficking, and I have learned so much from those ladies. Um, they inspire me all the time, and they have these stories, and they've been through so much. They've been through a lot, a lot of trauma, and they, you know, they're determined to get their education and to pick themselves up to allow Jesus to heal them. So I, I've learned so much from them, and I'm so grateful for that. So when you rely on, on his strength, we've got to continue to lean back into him and rely on his strength and allow our hearts to be filled with hope again. You're going to find this new determination and this new tenacity uh, that you didn't know was there before. And sometimes you only know until you're in that uh, challenging situation. So... I 100% believe that all of you have, there is a tenacity and a determination to, to get through, and it's Jesus. It's not your own striving or doing things in your own strength, but um, he's going he's gonna to pull you through, and hope does not disappoint. The thing is, so hope doesn't disappoint, but misplaced hope definitely does disappoint, and what that is is hoping in our own ability or to accomplish things or when we kind of use language like, well, I hope that works out. Um, and we're relying on, our own, on ourselves to get things done. And so misplaced hope is always going to disappoint. And I found myself in the last month really, um, I, was, I was afraid to hope, honestly, because I, disappointment felt really scary to me. I I'm, was afraid of being disappointed. So God has really been um, stirring up my heart to hope again, to trust him even more. And um, so that's kind of my journey. And we're going to end a little early, but I do want to pray for you guys. Um, we're going to do some ministry. But let me pray for you. I know I was kind of a little bit here and there. But uh, I, I don't know any other way. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like all I have is what God's doing in my life, and I'm going to be real and authentic, and I'm not going to muster up something that I'm not walking out myself. So I'm going to pray for you. Jesus. Thank you that you are the living hope and that you do not disappoint. You never disappoint. So I want to pray for each person in her right now, Father, that you would come. Thank you, God. You're so good.
Would you just stir up places in their hearts that they have shut down, Father? Where it's been too scary to hope, God. Thank you, Father. And I ask for um, your breath of life to come and breathe new life over each person's heart, over their minds, over their spirits, places where they've um, just kind of lost hope or that just umph to, to get up again after they've fallen down, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Just come so close. So close. I pray for courage to embrace the process, to embrace the journey, to embrace the middle, <laughs> embrace their story that they're walking out right now. You give them courage and might on the inside. Thank you, Jesus. And we continually just want to lean into you. Any place where we've been doing things in our own strength, God, would you show us those places right now? And we repent, God. We repent for, for thinking we can do things on our own. We surrender to you, Jesus. We lean into you. We lean into you, Jesus. I ask for grace in the areas that you're developing in each person's heart, those areas that you're forming right now. Thank you, Father. I pray for grace in those places. You're so good. So good, Jesus. We love you.